Hi, and welcome to All Things Cozy with Matt and Jillian. We are a bi-weekly podcast about everything that is warm, soft, and comforting. Today, we'll be renovating our interest in Kate Carlisle's Fixer Upper Mysteries as we move our attention from the Hallmark adaptations. We talked about the adaptations uh, starring Jewel several months ago. (laughs) But today, we'll be moving on to the novels on which they're based. But before we dive into our book discussion... We're going to start with what's making us feel cozy this week. This morning I was on Twitter and I saw a thread by our former guest and friend, John Pernasek. Oh, yes. He's such a great guest. About the comic strip pluggers. Are you familiar with the comic strip pluggers? Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so pluggers are supposed to be older people who are... I guess still doing things the old-fashioned way. They're like plugging things up because they're old. I don't really know exactly why they're called pluggers. Like plugging, like say they have a leak, that kind of plug, or I guess they're plugging along and doing things the old-fashioned way. Like there's, I, I, I guess I'm really took it literally right. <laughs> yeah. Plugging holes in their homes. Yeah, or... I think they're just like blue collar. They just you know plugging along, and they're animals. Or like there's a chicken, there's a bear, there's all sorts of. Silly animal creatures that are anthropomorphized into okay. being old people, essentially. And old people will write in and, and say, um, you know, you're a plugger if the... I should have prepared something because I actually have no plugger <laughs> caption because that really isn't my cozy thing. But they are an infuriating strip that I'm kind of obsessed with. Anyway, so John had a really hilarious thread on Twitter. You should check it out. Um, on his Twitter page. I think he's at John Pernasek. Yeah. And it reminded me of how cozy the Sunday funnies are. Mm. And every Sunday, we get the Chicago Tribune in my family. We're a Tribune family. And even though I always kind of wanted the Sun-Times because the Sun-Times had Garfield. Because, well. you know, I had no taste then. And But I'm glad we got the Tribune because in the Tribune was Foxtrot. And that's my true cozy thing this week. Because I've realized, actually, that I still read Foxtrot every single Sunday because now I follow the artist Bill Amond. Oh. And so Foxtrot, if you're not familiar, is a syndicated comic strip. It used to be from, like, 1988 until 2006, like, one of the comic strips that would be... It would have a daily strip, and then it would have, like, the Sunday strip in color. It centers on just a family and their dysfunction and... Um, they, they love each other, but the, each character kind of has their thing. Jason's a dork and he's into mathematics and Lord of the Rings and those like uh, geeky pop culture references. You know, Paige is the older sister and she's super independent and she likes to shop and, and is boy crazy. And then there's the brother Peter who likes sports and is kind of like the typical guy. And then there's the, the matriarch, Andy who is like a vegetarian vegan who's always making vegan food for the family. She's very granola. Yeah. And the husband, Roger, who's like into chess and kind of just like always having a midlife crisis. And there are all these very specific types. And so he gets to explore different parts of his own personality and the personalities of other people in his family, I assume, and people he knows through these characters. And he does it so well. And I really love the, the strip because it has amazing pop culture references. And it's making like Lord of the Rings jokes, Star Wars jokes, uh, algebra jokes that no other strip ever ever makes and i just adored it as a kid i had all the anthologies and i still read it now and i emailed bill amon because i was obsessed with the comic strip and he wrote me a lovely response back so that's cute he's a nice guy would you just i had a question about like why he drew the characters because at that time i fancied myself as a comic strip artist myself how old were you i was i think i was 12 i was you know it was like middle school that's my cozy image yeah writing into the 12 or 13. Yeah, that's really sweet. And I was trying to start my own like comic strip, and I w- had a question about the way he drew his eyes, because he draws them kind of close together, like where they're like sharing the same... It almost looks like a cyclopsy thing with a line in the middle. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just had questions about why he drew the eyes the way he did, and he was very patiently responded. He doesn't know why. <laughs> that's <laughs> just what he did. It's, that's how his, his art evolved, but... um. I, I, it was at that time I didn't understand that. This is before like social media, so like I didn't realize that people you admire could be so accessible. Yeah, and he was very accessible. It's wild. I've had those experiences too, where you I've reached out to writers and they've responded. It's not something that like a gushing fan mail, just actually a legitimate question like you had as well, which is you had a, you're curious and right. you wanted an answer and you reached out and they're kind enough to respond. And I think if you're ever in the position to 
entertain someone, especially someone who's younger, mm-hmm. like you were 12 at the time, why not take that opportunity? Right. I understand you're probably bombarded by people emailing you, but at the same time, that little response meant probably a lot to you. He's talking about it now. so. Oh, yeah. no, And, and he ensured I was a fan for life. He has this a really great social media presence. He, he's very active still. Now the strip isn't... He doesn't do daily strips anymore. He just does the Sunday mm-hmm. edition. So it's only once a week. But you said the Foxtrot is over. I thought it No, was... Foxtrot's still happening, oh. but it's only happening once one oh, I strip see. per week. Okay, I thought you said it was went on for like around 12 years. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's, it's gone on for a long time. He has a lot of anthologies, but it's still... It's still happening, and then, mm-hmm. and so it's slower, but eventually after he amasses a certain number of Sunday strips, he releases another book. Um, I see. So he's still, he's still working, um, just not as much as he used to. But You know, that's interesting. I used to read the comic strips as a kid, but I would love to go back and read it as an adult, because I'm sure I missed out on so many jokes. Oh, yeah. I so. was always so confused by certain strips. Like, I mean, Doonesbury just went straight yeah. over my oh, head. Oh, oh, yeah. Had no That's idea just for what was the happening pictures, there. I guess. They always seem like really grumpy old men. I was like, I am not into this. Yeah. Or I just put my putty on it. You, you put your putty on it? You would like what? Like get a, get a copy of the George Bush <laughs> That was Roman a big helmet. thrill for me when I was little, putting the, my putty on the comic strips. Did you have a favorite comic strip? To be honest, no. <laughs> like, it's so, I, maybe I did, but it's, it's so far back. Like my Oh, my parents always get Newsday, and that's the major uh, like newspaper on Long Island. Maybe it spreads out further. I don't know, but um, and I would skip back to the comics, and I would I would just more look it over and read it and try to understand. But I do think a lot of it went over my head. Besides, like Garfield, I mean, I'm sure still that went over my head as well because there are <laughs> there's little jokes in there that I'm sure that uh, Garfield are, did knock over your head. No, you know what I mean. But there's no there's nods to adults, and I would like to go back and revisit those nods. Yeah. I want I, those nods. My favorites, I remember, were Foxtrot, obviously. Zitz was like mm-hmm. a teenage comic. It was like this couple that had a teenage son, and he was just, you know. Angsty. And... Well, messy. Just a, you know, difficult teenage <laughs> son. All that funny teenage humor, raising yeah. a teenager. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Never gets old. Never gets old. Non Sequitur was another one that I really liked, just because the penguins I thought were cute. Shoe was that bird strip. That was another one that, like, for like, I think was aimed at adults because, like, I never understood like what those birds were talking about in Shoe. Do you think the comics were regional? Because I certainly I've some, never heard some of, of any them of were. These. Yeah, I think like you get syndicated into certain uh, areas. So yeah, interesting. Well, lots to think about. Yeah, going, going back and revisit those comics. Yeah, I, I hadn't thought of a comic. If you're listening, share your favorite Sunday funnies on our Facebook group. I'd like. I really oh, would yeah. like to, to talk about. I'd be curious because I'm sure there's some we're not even aware of. Yeah. different parts of the country. So. You know, it's an, another uh, great source for talking about Sunday funnies is the Comics Curmudgeon. I don't know if you've ever heard of that blog, but every week he looks at the Sunday funnies and like he offers satirical commentary. But I like the curmudgeons. When I think of that in it, <laughs> you drew me in. So that's a, that's a that's a cool blog too to check out. I'm recommending a blog in 2018. So that's a pretty special moment. Jillian, how about you? What's making you feel cozy this week? Uh, that TV show that's now off the air called The Fosters. The Fosters. I know that name sounds familiar. Can you? What, what was The Fosters about? Who started? Well, it's on it? ABC Family. It's You can now binge it all on Netflix. Netflix. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Netflix. Uh, and I like things that you can binge. That's inherently cozy because you can just sit around all day and have a ball. It's on, like I said, ABC Family, and it features... Terry Polo, I think that's how you pronounce her last name. And I forgot the other actress's name, but they're two, they're a gay couple and they have one, one of them has a biological son. Then they have two foster twins who they've legally adopted. They adopted them when they're there five. And it takes place in, I think, the San Diego area, maybe La Jolla. And one woman is a police officer and the other one is a vice principal at a school, but she also dabbles in social work and all that stuff. So, you know, the two combating different personalities, but they meld really well together. And then in comes two new foster kids within maybe the first few episodes. Callie is one the girl's name and the other one, his name is Jude. So it's a process of adopting these two other kids and that's where I am right now. But it's just a super cozy show. It's not dripping with sentiment and values and all you know 
shoving life lessons down, down your throat. Well, you know, those like, no, I know what you mean. Yeah. It's, I can't think of any show that I've seen that's similar in the past. It's not preachy. It's, no, it's not. It's not preachy. And I just, it's something about the, every episode feels nice and safe because the kids are going through all this tumultuous stuff and so are the parents, but yet they're always super grounded. And a lot of TV shows these days, either parents are too perfect where you, so it's, it's just doesn't feel natural or the writers try to put, make them appear so human and so real that it's almost uncomfortable and you feel un- ungrounded. Yeah, it's, it's hard to describe. There's really like nice balance and they show their relationship in a very beautiful way. And even the beginning intro of the show, I really like. It's just a quick little song, but they show shots of the home, like someone, uh, you know, just shots of their entryway or um, the breakfast table. It's just a super cozy little intro that I like. So it sounds really cozy. How how many seasons did it have? I think five. Okay, so it, it went a long. Pretty... It went a long way. Maybe they only have five seasons on Netflix. That's probably what it is because I think it's been on for a pretty long time. But yeah, it's engaging, and it's not just because two women are the focal point in their relationship. It's not just because of that, you know, because that's just a commodity. Oh, it's starring gay people. Yeah, I gotta watch it. It's more just. I like all the actors in it. It's mm-hmm. just a nice, comforting show. It sounds like it. It really is. It's nice. And ABC Family. I like shows that are not too high budget. They don't look so glossy. I don't know. I know what you mean. Do the sets look more realistic as yeah. a result? Yes. And I have to say, very cozy sets because they everyone lives in a freaking craftsman. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about certain sets where the it's heightened to a degree that it looks almost like completely pristine look. It reminds me of like a Nickelodeon studio look where everything yeah. is like a really bright lime green or purple, oh, like God, shocking yeah. colors. Like I said, just the way that the parents handle these tumultuous situations that come up is like how you would hope that every parent would handle that situation or they're talking things out, but not in a way like seventh heaven style or, you know, that, that, forcing the kids to sit down have trying to impose lessons on them it's actually a really healthy working things out and that creates just a feeling of safety so once again love the lovely love them foster so far and binging it another show to add to your queue more tv for you cuddle up (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a good show so wonderful all right so uh let's move on then to cozy locations Jillian, what is your cozy location this week? Well, Matt, you were helping me before trying to pronounce it. Now it's the the true test. <laughs> Sagerfin. Sure. <laughs> okay, anyways. I had to go international this time because I'm running out of cozy locations. I don't go on as many little day trips as you do, Matt. So... I need and to... I wouldn't if it weren't for my husband. He drags me all over the place, and I'm so grateful. I need for to it. hold on to the bumper and come along you for should, the ride yeah. because <laughs> I'm running out of places. So I went international to Iceland and Reykjavik, and this lobster—well, it's not exclusively lobster soup, but they had this famous lobster soup there. And I like hole, holes in the wall where it's not so fancy, and you go and it looks like you're inside of a ship. I think it's all wooden tables, plastic chairs. Not, you know, nothing to write home about about the decor, but it's a cozy because you go in, you're in the cold. Well, I guess it depends what time of year you're, you're there. You go walk down to the wharf and you have a nice cup of lobster soup, which may not sound good to some of you out there, but it was very tasty to me. Um, and yeah, it's not fancy, but uh, if you're ever in that part it of the world. It certainly sounds cozy. It really is. I it's When I went there, I was the only person inside, so... Which is also... So they waited on you hand and foot. Oh, yeah. More lobster <laughs> soup for you. Yeah. But it's just great food. Um, no pomp and circumstance. Because sometimes you, what you just want, you just want good food and you don't want to feel like you're battling with the vibe or the decor. You just right. want to walk in and have good food. Get, get a solid experience. Yeah. So that's, I think, my first international cozy location. Oh, no. Cozy, Costa Rica. I almost said Cozy Rica. Yeah, if, if, any, if either of us are the, the international cozy location person, it's you. Yeah. You're, so, you're the world traveler. 
I wish I, I'll post about it later because I don't think I got the pronunciation right, but. Say grieven? Say grieven. Say grieven. <laughs> but even just looking at it now, the photos, oh, it's so cozy. Wooden walls, ships on the walls. Yeah, it sounds great. Yeah. And I do know how much you love to kill lobster. So it sounds perfect for oh you. Oh my God. The first video in my Instagram is Jillian <laughs> dropping a live lobster into a boiling pot. It's so funny. I happened to come across that video. Maybe as I was going through my, t- my tags and uh, my partner saw it and she is a hardcore vegetarian. She doesn't even eat mussels and she was really upset by it. She's like, you have no regard for life she said could you could you do it again or was it like a once in a lifetime moment or would you would you throw that lobster in the pot again you know what i might throw it in again (laughs) (laughs) to be honest i i just i eat a lot of seafood and my philosophy teacher did say and i has kind of stuck with me you can't really support something you wouldn't do yourself no i agree with that totally that that's how i operate in terms of my diet too I, i that's i don't eat meat either and I've been trying to reduce fish. I, sometimes mm-hmm. I will be dabble in being a pescatarian. Yeah. And I, that's, that's my operating philosophy, which is that I could never kill a chicken. I know. I, I could couldn't. never kill a cow. I have no right eating them because, and I think it's hypocritical, honestly. I don't mean to ruffle any feathers, but I think if you can't justify, like if you, if you wouldn't be able to go out and kill that chicken, I don't think you have any right to eat it. Yeah, that's how I feel exactly. So... You know what? That's why I'm out there boiling lobsters. There you go. Jillian <laughs> would boil that lobster. Yeah. I've I've cut that meat out, but that fish is like hard to get off that fish train. It is really hard. There's no you can't replicate it. We've come so far with impossible burgers and beyond meat or whatever it's mm-hmm. called. And it's it tastes real even though it's like some lab grown thing or like even Morningstar stuff. Like you can mm-hmm. replace burgers and, and sausages and chicken. And even though it's not quite the same, it's pretty close. There's no replicating fish. I've I don't had, think I would want that. Right, exactly. <laughs> it it is. It is quite unique, um, especially if you've become, you know, acclimated to that flavor. And I, I, I do struggle with that. That's like something that I don't feel great about. I don't think I'm in the right for eating fish occasionally. I, I, I hate that about myself. But yeah. it's also very tasty. So that's a that's a struggle for me. Well. Still, the lobster soup was really good. (laughs) (laughs) So if you are in Reykjavik, stop by for some cozy and some good lobster soup. My cozy location this week is Cornell Winery and Tasting Room. Mm. So I know I already have your attention at Winery and Tasting Room. Yes. (laughs) This place is in Cornell, California, which is close to Calabasas area. Yeah, I never heard of that area before. It's a really small, it's a really, really small town in that sort of like further west outside of LA, like Calabasas and Thousand Oaks and, you know, where all those Kardashians are. And, but this place is kind of an, has an old west type of feel. It's actually really close to the Paramount Ranch, which is where they film Westworld. And a lot of these old places have that western look. And how did you come across this place? My husband really wanted to try a restaurant called Old Place, Hmm. which I guess is where like Sam Peckinpah and... All sorts of other old people, <laughs> old actors used to eat. Steve McQueen, I think, went there a lot. And it's like a steakhouse. And so the only two things we could eat there are like the mac and cheese and this mushroom thing. Mm-hmm. And it actually was really delicious. A pricier than I would like, but truly the cheesiest stuff well, ever. Sounds it was, worth I it. mean, it was, really, it was really good. I don't, I don't know if I'd go back because it's just not enough variety for a vegetarian it's really for a steakhouse but we wanted to try it it was kind of a famous steakhouse in the area i didn't realize right next to it was this like wine tasting room there used to be a winery that would make their own wine but they haven't done that for several years and now they just Mm. they're a place for tasting local wines but why it's my cozy location is that they're also a gift store and they have an amazing scented candle selection. So, Oh, that sounds like a perfect combination. We got a couple of candles we can review later um, on this podcast and they were all reasonably priced. It was not Under crazy. 20? Oh, all of them were under 20. Oh, wow. Yeah. And everyone was really sweet. Everyone was having a good time. It was like a cute... They have like a bar. They have some tables up front close to the gift store area and in the back that there's like big long communal table that I don't know if you could rent out if there's a bunch of people like having was it a crowded experience. It was it was it wasn't crowded crowded, but it was pretty packed. Like mm. it's a popular place. 
And it's a little bit in the middle of nowhere, but... So if you're driving back from somewhere... Yeah, if you're already out there, like, check it out, buy some candles, have a glass of wine. I'm going to look into it. Thank you, Matt. It's a good rec. Now it's time to dive into our main topic, which is the Cozy Mysteries series. We both read the first in the series called Mm -hmm. A High End Finish, and it's the first entry in the Fixer Upper Mystery series by Kate Carlisle. Who we saw in person. Who we saw in person in the Beverly Hills Library. She did a Q&A with some other cozy authors. Mm-hmm. We mentioned this on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. We also reviewed the movie, the first movie in the Hallmark series adaptations. That was the one starring Jewel that think, we talked about with Molly. Wait, was that? I was in the spring or fall. I yeah, think. that was one of our earlier episodes. Yeah, definitely earlier. And I like that movie. I have no memory of it. Well... I, just I remember, remember Jewel. I remember Jewel singing at a funeral. <laughs> Maybe I'll be more specific. I liked Jewel in it. Um, I thought that she was believable. Uh, the singing at the funeral was a little heavy-handed, but besides that, I thought she did a but, good job. But memorable. That's but memorable, the one yeah. takeaway for me. I never had seen a Lifetime movie based on a cozy mystery book before, so I think it's just the novelty of it for yeah. me. and it was, it was super cozy. I think we enjoyed it. I remember saying at the time, like, we need to go back and read the book series. Yeah. And seeing Kate in person reminded me and you that, oh, yeah, we should go back and actually, like, look at this book series and talk about the actual books. Well, it's a unique premise, too. I like Cozy Mysteries with a unique spin on things. I think a construction or someone who works in construction has their own construction business is a spin. I would like to hear how to make that cozy. So Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, so Kate Carlisle has two cozy series she has the bibliophile series which is her first and that series follows a person who restores old books and collects antique books she's a bookseller Mm -hmm. a book binder i guess and the other series which is more recent is this fixer upper series and it centers on a amateur sleuth named shannon hammer and she lives in a uh, Lighthouse Cove, California, which is like a Northern California... Yeah, Northern California below San Francisco. Town, yeah. She has a, a construction company called Hammer Construction Company. And she specializes in Victorian home restoration. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and so she's, she restores Victorian homes in the area. And it just follows like this cozy town and her, her group of uh, girlfriends mm-hmm. and her love life in the area. And of course, like the murder of the week that happens in in every novel i agree it's a really unique premise for a cozy in that like it's it's not you don't you see a lot of like there are a lot of cupcake um cozies there are a lot of book store cozies Mm -hmm. there are a lot of coffee uh cafe cozies but i don't think there are very many renovation and and restoration yeah home restoration cozies it's very there's a lot you can play with there yeah um and I, it's, it's, it's untapped, like you're saying, like, and you learn a lot. I think someone at that Q&A said, like, what, when you're trying to pick a theme, and this is a, advice for maybe some aspiring writers of Cozy Mysteries, is when you're really thinking of picking a theme for your Cozy series, think of centering it around something that your audience wants to learn about. And it's true. Like, I picked this up, and you're learning a lot about Victorian homes. and Drywall. Drywall. And it is really interesting, and it's it's a topic that, I definitely know nothing about outside of my HDTV viewing. Kate Carlisle is pretty familiar with because her brother's a contractor, and I think it, it, it's a family business and for her. And he specializes so. in Victorian homes yeah. as well. So, so she, she has a, a source and a reference for making sure that the stuff that goes in the book is accurate. And that comes across. Yeah. I just hearing her describe all the different Victorian homes in the area was lovely too because not every home is the same. So her obviously... You know, hearing her describe each unique detail, not only her home, the one that Shannon lives in, but the ones that she's working on or her crew's working on um, was just nice as well. And so just picturing those Victorian homes in your head with the bay windows and all that good stuff was just nice. And also the town, we've read a fair amount of cozies and there are very few none set in California. Mm -hmm. I think I've read a couple of urban cozies on my own that were set in L.A. Well, we had well, that Sue one. Well, Grafton. Oh, is that the coffee one? That was New York, right? Yeah, the coffee one. Probably. And Sue Grafton in Southern California. Oh, yes. I don't know if that's exactly... We, 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 we covered it. I don't know if that's exactly a cozy mystery because it's a little more gritty. I think I wouldn't qualify that. I don't that. think it would qualify as a cozy mystery, even though that... I mean, I, I'm glad we read it. I like it a lot. a lot of grit. 
had a lot of grit. Not so cozy. No. That Northern California location's more unique. Usually they're oftentimes New England towns. Yeah. So it's nice to stray away from that. Right. It's kind of, it's funny because I'm always picturing it in New England, no matter where I am. Right. I'm just so deeply set in I did have to keep resetting my brain and and reminding myself, like, this is not Maine. Mm -hmm. This is California. And when I did, I would, I would get, I'd be like, oh yeah, it's California. And I really love the descriptions of same thing with the bay windows, looking out at like the beach and stuff. The redwoods. The redwoods. Yeah. She's like describing the redwoods and the pine trees that you're looking Mm -hmm. at. I love that. That's what I love about California is that you have the pine trees and the evergreens next to rocky shores and the beach area. I just love that look. Yeah. And she's and mentioning the mist too. The mist, the, yeah. So that was nice. And what I liked about this book in particular, her friends were more well-drawn than I think in other series that mm-hmm. I've read. They each had their own store. Now, I don't know if we go too deep into it, but she has her friend Lizzie. She has her friend Jane and Marigold. Marigold owns a Amish shop or sells Amish wares. Right. Because she used to be one. Yes. And then Jane is opening a bed and breakfast. Lizzie has her bookstore. Mm-hmm. And so you have her hanging out in her friend's stores a lot. So there's in those cozy descriptions and I did get some anxiety sometimes thinking about, I know it's obviously all fictional, but like, how can all these women own these, uh, all these, you know, or anyone own like a store, you know, an independent store in these times? How do they keep it afloat? But besides my own, thinking about my own financial anxiety, I'm like, oh, can she keep that bookstore running? How many customers? She's just hanging it out all day. Like they get a lot of tourists in Lighthouse Cove. They do. So that was nice too. I liked all the different stores, unique stores. One thing, one of her, one of her friends, I forgot the name of um, her name, but she was from Scotland originally. And so she was, had a tea shop. Right. So that was uh, cozy. And two diners or like oh, restaurants. Yes. There's the Cozy Cove Diner, which is a greasy spoon. Mm-hmm. And then I guess the tea shop is the other place I'm thinking of. Oh, and her uncle owns an Italian restaurant, but he's Irish. That's right. Yeah. So that was and a fun Irish. spin. Yeah. He'd like, yeah, he goes around speaking Italian, but he's Irish, mm-hmm. which feels believable. I feel I, I could imagine that happening somewhere. Yeah, definitely. Can you give us a, just a quick synopsis of the plot? Like, what is what is the plot of A High End Finish? Well, since this isn't the first in the series, it's a lot of introductory um, chatter, you know, introducing us to Shannon and what she's about, her backstory. So she's lived um, in this area her whole entire life. Her mother is no longer with us. I can say with us. Um, and she's so, dead. Yeah, she's dead. <laughs> she's close to her father who lives in an RV in her driveway, I believe, or he just hangs out there. That's a minor detail. We'll get to that later. Um, I, I miss that entirely. Yeah, he... Well, he's always fishing. He spends the entire book on a fishing yeah, trip, so, so he's not really involved. I think he gave the Victorian home they grew up in to her, and she remodeled it to suit her own taste and right. characteristics. And he bought an RV because he thought that he was going to go out and explore the world, but he just couldn't stay away from his cozy town. So he ended up turning his RV around, decided to live in his daughter's driveway. I hope I got that detail right. But I think How he, did I not catch that? Because that's really funny. Yeah, he yeah he he lives he has poker games every month or so, but okay, okay. he does go fishing a lot and he lives in the driveway. So, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, so we just see her going about her life with her crew, and she she does a lot of managing. So she's really good at managing all her different crews around around town. She has so many different projects going on, and uh, she is set up on a date because she is very single. She reiterates this a lot in the beginning of the book. She did have a long-term boyfriend in high school, but he ended up uh, cheating on her with her high school nemesis, who's not who didn't grow up in her town. She is from a wealthy area who is summering there, and their family decided to live there permanently. Her name's Whitney. Yeah, there's like a tension between the wealthy residents who basically summered there but kind of stayed after they fell in love with it mm-hmm. and the townies. Yes. Once again, we're back in that, uh, <laughs> old cozy trope of those, you know, wealthy big wigs coming into town and the good old townies. And Listen, I'm down for some class warfare. <laughs> yeah. So there's always a lot, it, really a lot of intense class warfare in this, uh, book because all of the people with money or who, who move there from other places are just really, really mean. So anyways, correct. Her boyfriend got her, uh, 
her nemesis pregnant. So they broke up. So she's kind of, she's over it, but she's just really single, hasn't found anyone she likes. So her friend Lizzie sets her up on this blind date with this man named Jerry Saxton. And he seems very charismatic, seems like a great catch. Um, I don't know how f- deep you want me to go in it. Let's just set up the the murder. Okay, the murder. Okay. She goes on a blind date with Jerry Saxon. He tries to go too, fur- too far than she would like. They get into an altercation. Uh, she she manages to hit, not hit him in the family jewels, as she likes to say. She reads the family jewels a yes, lot. Yes, and everyone thinks she did, but she just hits him in like the, the belly or something. Yeah. But everyone thinks she's a huge hero because... Because everyone's looking at this whole scene happening, this like yeah, because they had dinner on the pier, assault that's yes. happening down on the beach. That's just so little tangent, so so weird that she's getting assaulted on the beach, and the townspeople are just cheering her on. No one thinks to stop the assault, and then people are laughing too that she kicked him. List, like they just know Shannon Hammer can handle business by herself, I guess. So it's kind of a. I, I need to say soldier through this scene because you're thinking to yourself, how is this cozy uh, sexual attempted sexual assault? But I guess it's interesting. It's, it's all part of, of painting the character of Jerry Saxton. Yes, he's and a womanizer. It, it, it becomes important. I think it's also important for like a lot of cozy mysteries. The murder victim is somebody you don't miss. Yes. And so Jerry Saxton ends up being the dead body. Yes. Thank you for <laughs> being winding around. Uh, so, yes, yeah, she finds the dead body. And then from there, it's her trying to figure out who killed Jerry. And, of course, there's tons of suspects. And, and he was murdered with her pink tools. And, yes, she only has exclusively pink tools. I forgot what particular tool killed Jerry, but she found him in the basement in one of it's her wrench. Work- okay, her wrench in it's one like, of it's her like work a, sites. It's like a game of Clue, kind of. So, murdered in the basement with a wrench. Uh, she was found, though, it's important to note, in the home of one of her jobs. Uh, I think Jane, not Jane Boyer, some, their name Boyer, their last yeah, name the is Boyers. Boyer, the Boyers. And they have a tense, tumultuous marriage. And I won't go too far into it, but they're suspects. Uh, basically, everyone in the town is a suspect because Jerry was such a terrible, terrible person who was abusing women, who was, you know cheating on everyone he could come in contact with. So there are a lot of people in town who would have been glad to see him dead. Yeah. Another complicating factor is there's a new sheriff in town, the new chief of police, Mm -hmm. and he is very hunky and Shannon has a crush, but he also thinks that she did it. Because why wouldn't you, walking that situation, killed in her job with her tools, so she's a prime suspect. Yeah. That's often like, the in the first of a lot of Cozy series, the... Amateur sleuth gets involved because they are a suspect and they're trying to clear their name. And that's that's this is one of those. Yeah, definitely formulaic in that sense. And so there's also a a few different characters who come into play. There's someone new people in town, which is always interesting to note in a cozy. There's this woman named Penny and she's works at the bank. I think she operates giving out loans. And so she's a new character uh, because you have your, your your all of Shannon's friends, her family members her ex-boyfriend Tommy, the the new then there's a new character, the Jensen mm-hmm. police officer. There's Penny, the bank loan officer. And then there is uh this famous author who comes to town, which is a side plot that I enjoyed. What's uh, his name again? Uh, Mac Sullivan. Yeah. He goes by Mac. Yeah, he goes by Mac and he writes a really popular thriller series, Jake Slater, I believe, or Jack Slater. Um, and he bought one of the biggest and most coveted Victorian homes in the, the area. And and he wants her to renovate it. Yeah. So, of course, you know, there's love interest. I won't say who's peaking yeah, her we have, we have a We have the early um, workings of a love triangle. Yeah. So all your, all the fixings. So that was my long, long-winded <laughs> plot. I can't, I can't help but go on tangents. There's so many different. There's a lot going on. There's so much going on in this and. I think that's even evident in the fact that everyone hates the murder suspect. So it's not just concentrated to one group of people. It's Mm -hmm. literally the whole entire town. So I think that's just a lot to take in in general. And Kate sets up her mysteries in a way that's very accessible for the reader insofar as she puts all the clues on the table. If If you're a seasoned, cozy reader and you're paying attention to the clues, I suspect you'll be able to solve this one ahead of Shannon. Yeah, and I and that's the first time that I was able to. I think I've read enough cozies. Yeah, I think I think you're getting the hang of it. I think so, because before 
I met Matt. I didn't read Cozy Mysteries. And so now I've read enough where I'm guessing the murderer right. <laughs> I was very happy. Yeah, this I mean, to be honest, and I've been reading them a little longer than you, this might have been the first for me, too. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I get them wrong a lot. So um, this one, I, I think I, I was able to figure out because of the clues, because the clues were on the table. It was an interesting uh, read. Yeah, I, again, love the cozy locations. Like, the atmosphere of Northern California was excellent. The profession was great. Oh, interesting fact. In that Q&A with Kate Carlisle, her original idea, she came up with the character of Shannon Hammer and her pink tools as part of a Harlequin romance series. Mm-hmm. But then she pitched it to Berkeley Mystery, and they liked it. And so she converted it from a romance series to a cozy mystery series. I think that works better. Yeah. And, you know, it it was interesting, too, that part of the conversation was around going with which publishing house you're going to go with because there are certain houses that are famous for dropping series that get a reputation amongst authors, and you want to go with a place that will give a series a chance and let it find an audience. Because that's just the difference between book publishing and, say, movies or TV shows where... Books can be successful over time. Sometimes they take a while Mm -hmm. to find their audience. And if people are too overeager for it to be a bestseller right away, there are those publishing outfits that after the first couple, if they're not selling enough, will just drop it. And it's like, well, it could have been a hit if you just would have let the person kind of write a few more and and maybe tour a bit more and find find those people. But yeah. So I would love to read another one just to see how that how she develops and grows as a writer because like you said, this the setting was super cozy. I liked all the different friends and their shops. And she did a good job of always pairing her sit-down conversations with her friends with cooking. And she would yeah. always describe what she was making. I love a good description of what they're eating and making. I also really liked Shannon Hammer. She, she was a protagonist I could spend a series with. She's very in control. She is in charge of her own destiny. I, I, did, I like that she's had a lot of agency as a character. She wasn't mm-hmm. somebody who was being pulled around a lot by other characters or, you know, I, I, there was an aspect of the the way the mystery is solved, the murderer revealing themselves mm-hmm. versus her discovering the murderer. And I'm trying to think back to when I read it, but I think that's kind of the way it was. Like she originally suspects somebody else that ends up not being the murderer but then it is through her vigilance that she finds the real murderer. So even though she didn't guess the murderer correctly, if she, if she weren't so active and persistent, persistent, that that's what I'm looking for. If if she weren't so persistent, the murder would not have been solved. So it was through her own character trait that the murderer solved. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like, and again, I, I say this with all love and respect. I love Leslie Meyer and Lucy Stone series. Honestly, at this point, I love that Lucy never solves a mystery. She just gets a, <laughs> she just gets assaulted by the murderer, who's like, "You've come too close. You're too nosy. I have to take you out." And she's like, "Oh my god, it was you!" Like that's like every single time. Lucy never gets to solve the murder. Like like sometimes she does, but like nine times out of ten, the murderer just blows their cover, getting the too salt. antsy about it. If they just would have just let, let her alone, she would have never figured it out. But Shannon would have figured it out. And I like that about Shannon and I like that about Lucy. Like they're two different cozy sleuths, but, um, well, Shannon's super independent, which I like too. She's not bombarded by, or, um, bogged down, sorry, with family and all that kind of stuff. She just doing her own thing. I loved reading about her managing all these different construction sites and just all the work she and effort she had to put into that. So that's nice. Independent lady making her own, money and enjoying life because she really was enjoying life. I was like, wow, I really want to slip into her world for a second. Just, I don't know, pat around my Victorian home and make dinner, have wine every night. I know. Well, there's a moment in the book where she gets injured and being on, on the road to recovery, she can't have wine. And her struggle with that was really funny. Yeah. I like that too. I also enjoyed how she would make these little gifts for her friends of Oh, yeah, like the, the dried flowers. The dried flowers. It's like, that really sounds idyllic. Just me riding around my bicycle with my dried flowers. And then just going back and relaxing. No one to 
bother me and just have dinner and wine and, that's and she it. has such a great crew she can just basically spend her day solving murders and they got it covered yeah there's no problem <laughs> no one calling like i need you here nope, they got it <laughs> yeah all of her workers are seamlessly every project is going fine payrolls done time and yeah. fine. like great she's the best she can handle it all hamming her out <laughs> the details <laughs> yeah i mean i i would definitely keep reading this series um, just just because I, I like the the protagonist and I like the uh, location a lot and 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 the profession, the focus of the series. I think that's really good advice from those authors. If you're theming your cozy series, theme it over something that first of all that you're an expert in, so you can speak authoritatively about, or you want to learn a lot about because you don't have to be an expert mm-hmm. in in whatever your sleuth is good at. It's an opportunity to learn something new and become an expert in it. Yeah, she did that and she did it to great effect. I would definitely read the next one. Um, as I said, I just want to see these storylines play out. Um, oh, and actually, before we move on, there are a couple of like just factoids about Kate Carlisle that I wanted to share. Mm. First of all, she has like a really uh, cute website, and one of I do a lot of research before we talk about these books, and sometimes it can be really difficult to find information about the authors. And she has a really adorable autobiography on her website that was really helpful. And I learned that she used to write in the gong show and she worked in television production right out of college. And she grew up in L.A. What's funny is that she was on the gong show and she mentioned that she was the, one of the whisperers. And I looked, found the YouTube clip. And if you go to our Facebook group, you can find the clip that I posted. And it's Kate Carlisle spitting water on the host, Chuck Barris. What so. is that? I know. It's just funny. It's just, it's just a, cute, it's a cute moment. She's very cute in person. Yeah, no, in person, like so sweet, mm-hmm. so sweet and kind, and um, very modest and very modest. Yeah, yeah, I like her. She's salt of the earth. Salt of the earth. Um, another interesting fact was that so she, so after she sort of was done with Hollywood, was kind of over it. She went to law school, didn't really take, and she started to write hmm. more than she was studying. And from there, like, decided to quit law school and take writing classes, and now we have Shannon Hammer. Well, I think it's an important thing to, you know, say is that a lot of times writers just have these windy roads right. to to get where they are. They mostly don't start out studying writing. It's usually they've had a bunch of other jobs or career paths, and then they end up being successful and right. at, at any age too. I think all of them said they started later in life. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so it, keep in mind. Yeah, don't don't give up. Honestly, like keep going. Writing, it, it can take a while. It's a lot of rejection, but you have to hang in there, mm-hmm. and it's never too late. Another interesting fact about Kate Carlisle, and then I'm done. <laughs> I thought it was really funny. She joined a commune. So in between law school and I could never see that. I know from meeting in it? between law school and L.A., she joined a commune that was like a, a vineyard, and she made wine for a while. Okay, well that has more of a I was imagining some wild and out commune or some some sort. You know who knows? It's a like a I don't know the winery. whole story. Because <laughs> she was talking about going to Costco at the the book reading, so it's hard to imagine her Kate Costco going in mean, a commune. But everyone has a past. Yeah, let's just say that. And I'm sure I'm sure it colors her books too. I'm sure. Now we are going to do our segment: celebrities that calm us. Who, who will be discussed today on Celebrities That Calm Us. My celebrity that calms me is Reba McIntyre. Oh, that's a good pick. She, I, okay, I'm choosing her because, I have to be honest, I'm not, I'm not that well-versed in the Reba-verse. I watched Reba occasionally <laughs> on reruns. I am vaguely familiar with her music. But the reason I'm picking her as my cozy celebrity is that last weekend, I re-watched the movie Tremors with some friends. And in that movie, mm-hmm. that was her film debut. I never, I've never seen that. Oh, it's kind of like a B movie. It's like it's a comedic horror action movie about essentially these sandworms that are terrorizing <laughs> a, a desert town. It's scary, but it's mostly funny. Yeah, it's silly. And uh, Reba plays a survivalist with with her husband, not not her real life husband, but an actor. Um, they're both like they both like are always like buying supplies for their bunker. And it's really because of their guns and their stockpile that, like, the day is saved. And there's just this amazing sequence at the end where Reba is unloading two barrels. Like, she's like, she's like she has a gun in each hand. She's a pow, 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 <laughs> shooting a giant worm. 
And it is something to see. It is spectacular. And it's so cozy. I mean, that, that movie is also really cozy because it's so silly and fun. And I think a lot of you who have watched it have probably watched it like on TV, UPN or something, like on the, on well, the weekend. I'll look it up. I'm sure a lazy Saturday afternoon. Oh, yeah. Go find the scene where Reba is just spraying bullets at a worm. <laughs> it's worth it. I watched Reba. I thought that was enjoyable. Oh, yeah. I, and Reba's really, really, really yeah. cute. Yeah. Yeah, that was really cute. She's a strong and steady woman, which I like yeah. about her. She always seems in an upbeat mood and not, everything rolls off her back which i enjoy yeah she she's always looking, for, looking for the positive yeah i think if i told her i would actually would want her be by my side in a catastrophe because i think she just hold it down right um but she's just so cozy and pleasant cozy pleasant and knows how to work a gun so spraying bullets somewhere <laughs> reba huh. mcintyre my my cozy celebrity i like that actually gonna take it from my coat was making me feel cozy this week was terry polo that that's she's my celebrity pick. She I, do you know who she is, Matt? No, so, so she's in the Fosters. Yes, but she was also in Meet the Parents. Okay, so who was she in Meet the Parents? Was she the the girlfriend? Yeah, the blonde. Oh yeah, she's super cozy. She's super cozy. Yeah. Whenever you see her, she's very understated. Very understated. Yeah, she's very beautiful, but she's also just someone who you you would you were at a coffee shop with some of your friends. Like she actually be really listening. She just seems like a good listener. Yeah, I like that. that I, I see that. Yeah, you could just go up and you could hug her. I think she would be look wonderful in fall weather wear. I could mm-hmm. see her in a big cozy sweater. She's just very elegant. She is cozy and she can wear cozy. Yeah, she's cozy. She can wear cozy. Just just seems like someone you could talk to. Um, relatable. Relatable, but she's a good actress. Just everything I've seen her in. I we, I watched Meet the Parents when I was in New York visiting my mom, and we watched um, we watched that. And I was on TV, and I like oh, I like her. And then I watched the Fosters, and there she was. And a nice it was surprise. Destiny. It was. So I hope I'm pronouncing her last name right. It's P O L O. I don't know how else you'd say it. Paulo, but <laughs> <laughs> hopefully it's Polo. <laughs> so I like her. Terry. Good old Terry. Just say polo. Oh, anyways. <laughs> that brings us to our candle review. We are burning a Indonesian teak by World Market. It's a, a, a little votive that I got a while ago. What feels a little unfair about this candle is it's been kind of sitting out in my living room for a while, unburnt. I don't know if it loses scent, if it's just like exposed to air for a long time. But it smelled nice, and it has like a wood scent that comes off I me. Mean, it's teak, which is why we picked it at the store. And I guess this is just a teak wood month because our last candle that we reviewed was a teak wood candle. What do you think? I'm not smelling anything. Hmm. Totally not getting a thing. Yeah, I'm not smelling anything either. So it's hard to review I a candle more I can't when, smell it. I know. I smelled more when it wasn't lit. Yeah, I mean, I truly have to burn my face off to get anything off of it. <laughs> so I don't I'm even think I'm smelling no. anything. No, I don't. I mean, maybe a zero for me then. I think it's a zero for me too. If you can't honestly. smell it, it might be a good bathroom candle. I don't even. I don't know. I I just I kind of had a feeling buying it. It's. I mean, it, it's a super cheap candle. It's like the kind of candle you get like they, like for a dollar or two. It's it's really really cheap. Yeah, I get your pay for, and you get what you pay for. I think in this case, and I mean, it's just a normal votive candle. It gives us, again, it gives off a scent unlit, but once you light it, it's just like, it almost like the scent just evaporates. There's nothing happening. Or you have your face half off. I know. I I think I just like singe my eyebrows trying to get a a smell. That's disappointing. Dangerous too. Zero wicks. I think stay away from the really cheap world market candles. Although again, like they're good just for burning. Like I, I, I do have a world market recommendation. Their tea lights are great. They're really deep. And oh, they burn good. for hours. Like, they last the whole night. Like, it's a six-hour burn. You know, that's rare, because I usually pick up just a huge pack from CVS or Target, and it's out within 10 minutes. Surely not 10 minutes. Like, a couple hours, right? No. It goes... It whittles down wow. really fast. <laughs> Maybe not... Okay, not 10 minutes. 20 <laughs> minutes, 30 minutes. That's crazy. No, <laughs> no tea light should be out in 20 minutes, but... The I tea lights that I got, I got from World Market, they're like... A, a little deeper than the average tea light. I've been using Ikea ones, and the Ikea ones are gone after two hours. These last like five to six hours, and I highly recommend them. So 
Cannot recommend this Indonesian teak candle by World Market, but I can recommend their tea lights. And once again, if you have candles you ever want to send us, oh God, work please. at a candle company. So tired of spending money on candles. I just don't understand why people haven't been sending us more candles. But... I know. If you know a company that wants to advertise, like, listen, send us your candles. Our noses are ready. Our noses are ready. Yeah. Bring it on. Um, okay, so to wrap up our episode, we have some shout outs. Last week, I begged for five-star reviews, and you indulged me. Oh. We have three new reviews. Thank you so much. They are so sweet. It made my life reading these reviews. So thank you to Professor Scammington. Also, Professor Scammington, we love your Instagrams. Oh, so cozy. Yeah. People love I reposted one of um, your, I think it's when you had a plate of cookies. That's right, yeah. And people love that. So Really cozy Instagram presence. Thank you so much for your, your really generous review. Uh, Tori L007, thank you for coming out of your, you know, your secret spy service to write <laughs> us a five-star review. And um, NM Sizemore, uh, also, thank you for your review. That was, again, they're getting sweeter and sweeter. Every, every review, the, the next one is like nicer than the last. Yeah, so. and a lot of people send things on um, social media. Uh, we have a lot of people commenting and sending us messages with tips or just things that they find interesting or like they're cozy. Yeah, you guys make this worth it. It, it really, yeah, we would have really. stopped doing this a long time ago if we didn't have such a, a an amazing community and, and group of listeners and that are so generous and kind. And I, I it can't be overstated just how yeah. much we appreciate you. Your, you know, your your love keeps us going. And so if you if you want to share that, you know, join join the. Uh, the hip crowd and and leave a, a review for us on on iTunes. We yeah. appreciate it. And of course, join our Facebook group. Uh, we're at All Things Cozy Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And if you go to our Facebook page, there's a button to join the group. Mm-hmm. Join it. The more, the merrier. The more people on there, the more the cozier it gets, and the more tips we get for things that are happening in the world that are cozy. That's I think that about does it. We 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 did it all. We covered it all. Well. Have a very cozy rest of your week. Yeah, enjoy. Have a cozy week. And as always, have a cozy week and stay cozy, I guess. Yeah. Listen, it's that age-old problem. It's just saying cozy a lot. Deal with it. Stay cozy. Yeah, stay cozy. (laughs) 